DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Yuck, you got the zoom up? I am monitoring it as we speak. All right. Tracking to see if any of the Jazz Rotation guys come to speak to the media. Yeah, and if they do, we'll go to with them. training camp opening, they're off to Vegas Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We will uh, drop in if Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Joe and Ingles, Mike Conley, whoever. They just announced additions and promotions to the team's basketball operations staff. Who'd they hire? Well, in bold, in the first paragraph, they got nine uh, names. In the second paragraph, got about 13, 14 names. Jake Lindsay is going to be the coordinator of college scouting. That's Dennis's son, isn't he? Yep. Former Baylor player. Yeah. Former Olympus Titan. Go Titans. Former AAU <laughs> Sonic Busters. <laughs> Sonic Busters? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I was told there's a great basketball player at the American Fork High School. Jackson Kohler. Some big redheaded guy told me that the other day. Yeah, how was our dear friend? His name would be Britton Johnson. Spent some time. We went out to lunch with him the other day. <laughs> it's a funny story. <laughs> he would know about American Fork basketball. Yeah. So we played nine holes, and then we went out to eat, right? Yeah, got grabbed some lunch afterward. And uh, uh, he told he told me that he got a call from some business guy in the community, and he said, uh, yeah, what, what's going on today? Oh, I'm going to play golf. Oh, yeah, who are you playing? So yeah, I'm going to play golf with them, um, play nine holes with PK. PK? I thought you guys hated each other. <laughs> he said he just roared when the guy said that he loves when people think that uh, we're bitter enemies <laughs> when we're actually friends <laughs> just because you give each other a hard time yeah. and we see each other uh, socially a few times a year <laughs> I love hanging out with Britton. He's such a cool dude. And they paired us up. We hooked up uh, like the third hole. And the guy, you know, you look at him when I was way tall. I said, yeah, he played in the NBA. But Britton hates it when you tell him people that. He wants to be so low-key about that. Other people can't tell you enough about their athletic accomplishments. True story. He doesn't want them publicized whatsoever. He's no, not happening. And he's got some shoulder issues, so he can't hit the ball very far. But he got ticked on one hole. And so the next hole he gets up there, and he was still adrenaline was firing up. And he swung. Well, he needs surgery. And he says it hurts to swing if he really swings. But he really swung, and he drove it about 50 yards past me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can't do that every time. So anyway, they got a bunch of guys here. Ladies and guys that they have promoted and moved, uh, hired, and all that stuff as they're gearing up. It's an exciting time for the Jazz, you know, because this is the first full season in two years because they're playing 82 games, and now it's the first full season of the new ownership because it was midway through last season, right? I don't know how much you want to rock the boat when you come in. Well, now this is, this is Ryan Smith's team. He owns it. Literally. 
as he did before. But it just seems like this is the start. And see what he's going to do with it, with his team. And it's not just the literal team of players, but it's the entire team of the you know everybody in the franchise. And it is an entire team, as you see all these uh, names. Oh, you're checking it out now? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. And, and the names aren't going to mean much to people, but right. the roles kind of tell you, you know, vice president of global scouting. As opposed to you said, Jake Lindsay, college scouting. And I wish you they have would, to find talent everywhere. And I wish they Where would give me, like, uh, vice president of Maui scouting. <laughs> <laughs> so and you would accept it as a part-time job one week a year. Well, the Maui Invitational you're speaking of? <laughs> That's what you're gunning for, I know. Well, that would be one. That's your target. But they could have That's some... That's your goal. You never know if they have talent there. But you got to go to make sure. Right. I mean, right. that's part of scouting is seeing a lot of guys to make sure they're not the guy. Oh, yeah. It's like recruiting, you right. know? You, yeah. you see hundreds. Sure, you got to see But a... you only offer a relative few, and then even less than that, except... So, yeah. And I, I, nobody... In this organization, has more experience at the Maui Invitational than me. Nobody. I'm not arguing. I think you went to four. You counted them up. And I'm not going to rest until I get to five. <laughs> Everyone needs a goal. That's yours. <laughs> Senior software engineer and full stack developer. Now, I can do half stack, but I don't think I can go all the way to full stack. Assistant equipment managers are some traditional jobs. Midwest scout, you know, there's some traditional jobs here. I don't have any ties in the Midwest, so I don't want that. I can either go East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> you need some ocean. <laughs> Director of Family Services and Basketball Administration. Who's doing that? Whitley Gutteridge. Does that mean, uh, I assume, interacting with the families? I would assume so, yes. Director of Family Services, there's also a coordinator of Family Services. Is, yeah, that, that's, that's a full-time gig. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a critical gig. Yeah. Got to keep the families there. You, people are moving. They don't know the towns. They don't know what's going, where to go, what's available. Help them smooth things out. Right. That's you got a, in the case of, uh, as Joe would say, Renee and the kids, you know, you got to, if they're going on a seven game road trip, make sure everything's good on the home front. Yeah, I can remember talking to Joe and when he said, you know, that I found out that uh, the Jazz wanted me. I said, well, what'd you know about Utah? Nothing. Nothing. How many times have you been to Utah? Zero. <laughs> I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, I had to find a place to stay. I said, well, you don't even know the town. You've never even been to the state. I said, well, how'd you figure that out? He said, oh, they gave me like seven, eight options to go check out. So they set it up on what they thought my needs would be and what would be good and all that stuff. These so, things can all possibly work. Yeah. And then just what are you comfortable with? Yeah, right, right. And so then he ended up choosing, but they set up everything. Because I, I, I found that fascinating. That just... You're a foreign guy. You're, you've been picked up by a team that you certainly know of, and you knew. I'm sure you knew some people, but you literally had no idea who was who, or where was what, and, and nothing. I couldn't imagine being placed in a foreign country. Now the language is the same, fortunately, 
to a good degree. You know, you're speaking the same. So that that's a major hurdle. But having to figure out what to do, where to go, and if you, and you don't know anybody, and you're you certainly you would need to lean on on the organization. That's probably not going to be the last time this happens, as more and more foreign guys uh, come over. Hundred percent. Man, there's just a ton of people that they have in this list. Man, this list just goes on and on. Yep. And some people with interesting backgrounds. They've got a director of basketball intelligence. Was it you? You kind of you intercept information from other teams. I hope so. Like that's the what, CIA. That's what I want. <laughs> I can tell I'm you a this. Spy. No, this. This is no, all you no. tell you. That's what I want it to be. It's not going to be because wasn't it like Houston and the Cardinals? Oh, there was a big stink about that. What was? I forget which the story was, but somebody had information of the other team's yeah. files. Was yep. the Cardinals like personnel director stole their proprietary information and whatever else and got popped for it? Yeah, it was yeah, wasn't but there see, a that's, termination or but something? This is classic, and it's there's always the baseball analogy. This is classic, like you can stand on second base and look at the signals, or you can look at someone giving hand signals and break the code and figure them out. But you can't put a camera in center field. That's wrong. So basketball intelligence, certainly there's a line that can't be crossed. But at the same time, trying to figure out where free agents are going to sign and uh, who might trade up in front of you and who the teams in front of you will draft, that's all. That's been going on forever. That's 100% legit. Now, you can't hack into somebody's phone or laptop. That's the line. And you need to be aware of who's going to, like, the Jazz knew of using the Joe Ingles because as soon as he got released, they scooped him up. Yep. So you need to monitor that as you get down to cut-down day to see what's going to happen. And obviously, that was a tremendous addition to the team, picking him up for free, basically. Now, obviously, they have to pay him, but it, it didn't cost them anything to acquire him, right? Because he was available, and they quickly, I don't know the situation, was there a other team? Because we know Joe had been in summer camps and summer leagues because I believe he had said that he actually played summer league with Steph Curry with the Warriors back when mm-hmm. uh, they first drafted. So, the, And maybe the Warriors probably had changed administrations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the point is, whoever was there with the Warriors had some familiarity with Joe Ingles. Who's to say that they wouldn't have acted unless it seemed like the Jazz jumped right on them? And while I want basketball intelligence to be about code breaking and all kinds of crazy stuff, basketball intelligence also could, without you know having Justin Zanuck explain it to us, basketball intelligence could also be tracking players all over their world, their agent and contract status, and knowing who's available and when. Yeah, There's a lot of players to track. I would like to be, though, as I look at all these titles, can I at least be vice president of the morning show? Sure. Go ahead. But I want a press release. Oh, well, talk to Scotty. Give me a minute. I can write something <laughs> up. You get to send out a tweet. Because <laughs> I've never had a title. Dateline, Salt Lake City. Dash. That would be impressive. Oh, okay, because you've had titles. Junkyard Dog. Well, it's self-appointed. <laughs> I know it is. I'm aware. But that's not no one. No, I want VP. You were at the trip too early to be a senior writer. That was one you could have had. You could have been a senior. Oh, they, you, thought, they thought I sucked as a I writer. You could have been the senior college basketball writer no, at the trip. No. Let, let, me, let me step in here. I have your perfect title. 
senior writer for 1280thezone.com. No, no. I've never been good enough. I have been told every step of the way I'm not a good enough writer. Literally every paper, which means I must suck. And now that you're writing for websites, though, they're telling you how good they are. I know you've been told how good you are. Well, if you want, you can tell me again. (laughs) (laughs) You've told me stories. There are people at the Triv who picked on you. Ignored your greatness. Assigned your greatness to other people. I don't have greatness. You did have greatness, and it was assigned to other people. I'm a day-to-day guy, A spectacular headline. Segment to segment. Good work. Good work, Michael C. (laughs) Uh, Well, I ran into one once. Whoop-dee-doo. Bulls don't want Ty for Father's Day. When they went back on Father's Day and they had a 3-2 lead over the Sonics. I thought it was clever. And it was clever enough that they thought there was no way it came from me. (laughs) 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 But you get that rep. I can understand how I have that rep. I come off as this snarly dude. We were playing golf the other day, and this guy is from Oregon, right? He's living in Oregon. Well, you know, he's talking about his dog and some other words. Finally, about the the 10th hole, my wife says, okay, buddy, there's no way you're from Oregon. He says, I'm not. She says, where are you from? He's he's 60 years old. He's lived in Oregon for 30 years. She says to him, there's no way you're from Oregon. He says, yeah, I'm not originally from Oregon. Knowing what the answer is going to be, she said, where are you from? New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) It's so... (laughs) I thought, oh, brother, here we go. And she says, points to me, he's from New Jersey. She said, the guy says, Marty was his name. He says, really? She says, yeah, can't you tell by his his, uh, personality? (laughs) Gee, sweetie, that's not very nice. You always said you could handle the truth. Still hurt? (laughs) Way to go, Mrs. K. From my future eternal companion? As you guys would say? Future, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when I get over there and then I see it all, I'm going to say, of course I believed it. There's still time. You folks tell me you you build those whole big buildings for time and all that stuff. So I got plenty of time. Why rush it? Good call. You know what I mean? You're just encouraging him. (laughs) I know. And you talk about uh, free agent signings. I, I just don't think free agency makes a difference. I don't think unless you're these glamour markets, you can make a difference between winning it all and not winning it all through free agency. How many of these free agent, big time free agents actually move? Well, I guess it depends on where you draw the line on big time. Name me one. LeBron. Got me there. (laughs) Durant. Got me there. Those are the ones that have mattered. I remember a few years back, several years back, LaMarcus Aldridge was going to leave Portland. And it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, where is he going to sign? Well, in the end, what did it matter? Portland is still basically Portland. They're good. They're and a playoff team. And San Antonio. He went to San Antonio. Now, he was a very good player. 
But in order to really make a difference between winning it all and not winning it all, you've got to be extremely high level. That was my point of the question to David Locke on Friday. The lists come out, and the Jazz don't have anybody in the top 20 of one of them. Then in another one, oh, they don't have anybody in the top 15. freaking list. And it is. But, but uh, the point is, if you're number three or four in the league, you may or may not be good enough to win the title. I think you know, what, you get to the point where, look at all the guys who got MVPs, and they probably should have gone to Jordan, but the guys were legit the second, third, or fourth best player in the league, and they didn't get the title. Now, this decade, last decade, has been a little different. It gets passed around a little more. There have been a couple super teams. I think what you need to do is you need to draft these guys, figure out ways, and do like uh, Milwaukee did. And then you retain them. Unless you're the glamour market. Or be Toronto and roll the dice on a guy for one year. And then get a break. Yeah. Everybody gets breaks. Uh, Milwaukee got breaks. Milwaukee did, but is LeBron getting breaks? Is Durant getting breaks? They're just that good, but there's not that many. There's like one or two, three, four tops. Well, Durant went to a team that already won a title in 73 games and been to back-to-back finals. And so maybe you don't even include him, so yeah. there's one guy. Yeah. If you don't include him, then there's one guy. I think... Where you get we'll a break see, is we'll LeBron he decides forward. he wants to play for you or he doesn't. I mean, he wanted to play in Miami and for Pat Riley until he didn't. And Pat Riley, in the interview he gave on... You know, when they were trying to pitch LeBron, it's like LeBron already decided he didn't want to go there. And Riley knew it in the meeting. Fine. But I go back to what the Warriors did pre-Durant. Savvy drafting. Yeah. And savvy drafting can get the job done. That's what got them their once, title. Once a decade? That's good. Yeah. If you have zero, once a decade is pretty good. <laughs> it's a party. Right. That's all the Mavs have. Oh, the Spurs. You could say the Spurs was savvy drafting. That would be twice in a decade then. That wasn't savvy drafting. That was just good fortune. Well, there was some of that getting. but Robinson and Duncan. Right, but they wouldn't have gotten at that point. Well, okay, Robinson's long gone. Now, they still have Duncan. But the other three guys were all savvy drafting, and they wouldn't have won the title without all three of those guys. You don't know that. You don't know that at all. Oh, absolutely. You oh, I totally disagree. You, you take those you, three guys off the team, and you think they're still winning the title? But who are they replacing them with? You're acting like they're. It's either and who are you talking about? Name the names, quick. We got to go to break. Name those other three guys you're well, talking about: Ginobili, mm-hmm. Parker, yeah. and Kawhi Leonard. Right. So you're acting like with Ginobili and Tony Parker that it's either those guys or low-level G League guys. Yeah, they would have replaced them with somebody like Aldridge. How'd that work? With, I mean, good with Duncan, players, with Duncan, good, it would have it would have been really good. With Duncan on fumes at the end, I He's mean, a Duncan freaking was not at the height of his, player. I totally agree. And but they won that 50, point, they won fifty some games the year before, and then they sit Robinson out, and they win the lottery, and Duncan man. happens to be sitting there. Ka-ching. Wow, the lottery balls fell their way. My goodness, not the Celtics' way, who had two. Tickets to that lottery. The problem is Ron Mercer walked through the door, and we didn't want him to walk through the door. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yuck, we getting any closer? Is this going to be a major disappointment? 
Uh, well, no, we got Jay Z. They said at nine forty-five. Supposedly, so we're going. Slides fifteen minutes. It'll be into the next show. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Aggie football coach, Blake Anderson, next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. This story is crazy about becoming an ultimate Aggie, which apparently is getting up on that bull naked. What bull is it? Is it the one that's by the Estes Center? Isn't that bull like bucking? I'm just wondering how five nude men could fit on that. <laughs> it's a big bull. Five nude men could fit on I, that? Five smaller men, yeah, probably <laughs> could make that work. There you go. That's the size of the thing right there. Okay, it's not bucking. You could probably fit upwards of ten naked men on that. So in order for you to be the ultimate Aggie, you have to be naked? Yes. I did not know that this was a thing. See, I would think if you were going to be an ultimate Aggie, that it needs to be solo. Because these five were not solo. And that's where a lot of guys up at Utah State are like, hey, maybe <laughs> dial that down a little bit. <laughs> Easy. One ultimate Aggie at a time. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, scheduled to be joined by Utah State coach Blake Anderson here in a few minutes. Yak is still monitoring Jazz Media Day, content day as it's now known. If any of the rotation guys do their interviews, we'll have them for you, but it seems likely that they are, well, certainly most of them, maybe all of them, will be happening during the Hands and Scotty show. Well, as I said, those guys need the help, so let's do those. They asked me about it, so I'll go later. Don texted you. What do you think, PK? Don? Don. <laughs> I can't call him Don. That seems too casual. We're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. No. Wait till he gets to know you. No, he's not happening. Question of the day. The local college football scene, Utah and BYU be bad teams. Boise State rolls over Utah State. What are your thoughts? And Clint says BYU's going to beat Utah State by a million. That's a lot. A little lopsided. Yeah. Can you imagine I I gave you 900,000 and I still win? (laughs) By (laughs) 100,000. Christian says BYU will beat another bad team this week, too. I'm not ready to make any pronouncements on the quality of Utah State. And I would actually lean towards the other way, that they're a good team. Because of the win over Air Force? Air Force is 3-1, and one, although the three wins they have are all terribly predictable. I'm not worried about Air Force's opponents. I'm looking at what Utah State has. And, you know, they faced a different uh, Washington State team early. They got that win on the road. That's nice. We know what they've done. Uh, I think they have an opportunity to have a very good season. And Boise might just roll through the division. Not so sure about the conference. I mean, I think the other division is better than their division. So far, anyway. San Diego and Fresno both have good wins. Obviously, Nevada was the pick, and they've got a good win. Yes. Yeah. They beat Cal. So it looks like so they're, got, they're the stronger. Is that four wins over the Pac-12 for those right. three Mountain West schools? Right. And it looks like they're the stronger division to date. Remains to be seen, but that's the way we're trending. But I'm not going to throw Utah State out and say they're a bad team. Because even though they got beat by 24, was it was a 27-3? I mean, there's so many opportunities there. It was a, For them, the game was a story of squandered opportunity. Two red zone turnovers, so let's start right there. Miss field goal. Yep. 
field goal got blocked and it didn't count, and then they missed it. Jeez. All sorts of points they left out there in that first half. It was stunning. You wonder if Blake Anderson and his coaches, if they, they just kept beating their heads against the wall at halftime. It's just that stuff. The frustration. It's one thing to lose, but it's the one thing. Uh, they must have a bunch of sore feet because they kept repeatedly shooting themselves in them. <laughs> it's really, and it was, it, it was repeated too. It was like it was nonstop. Get down there, up, struggle, stumble. Get down there, turn it over. Get down there, shank a field goal. You had no problem getting there. It was two different games, but over the course of six hours, the vibe was very similar. Difference is Boise State's much better than Washington State. So the Aggies didn't get away with it, whereas the Utes did. Yeah, I think Bachmar's an NFL quarterback. Starter? I don't know. That. Or roster guy? I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. If Garner Minshew is an NFL quarterback, Bachmar is. And Minshew's an NFL quarterback. They need 100 NFL quarterbacks these days. Right. Everybody's got three. You got 32 teams. That's 96 quarterbacks, and they're going to be injuries. You're going to have to go down to your fourth guy at multiple clubs. So yeah. there's, there's 100 spots out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to talk Aggie football right now with Utah State's head coach, Blake Anderson. And Blake joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Coach, good morning. Good morning. How we doing? We're doing all right. So I'm... Uh, I'm curious, after you watch the film and think about it, I mean, a loss is a loss, and you know you are what your record says you are on the scoreboard and all that stuff, but are you more down about the mistakes you saw, or are you more encouraged the positives you have to build off of? What are you thinking now, uh, a couple days removed from that game with the Broncos? Well, yeah, losses stink either way. I'm not big on moral victories, to be honest with you. Never have been. Um, pleased with how hard the guys played pleased with the energy and passion that they played with. Uh, but honestly, just felt like we, we got out coached and outplayed. We, we, we didn't make great adjustments throughout the game. They did. Uh, you know, one indication of that is we're five of seven on third down in the first quarter, and then we're one of ten the rest of the game. The adjustments they made were better than the adjustments we made, not being able to get points in the red zone, you know, moving the ball but not getting points. And uh, and then even a couple opportunities defensively where we should have forced field goals and didn't. Uh, the energy and effort was great. The execution was poor uh, most of the day. And, and I thought as a staff, we just didn't do a great job of making in-game adjustments. It's something we've done a really, really good job of the first three weeks. Uh, that, and you can see from the, just the second half, the way we were able to, 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 to recover defensively, recover offensively, score points, those sort of things in the first three games. We just did not have that response this week, and and everybody, everybody's at fault, including me. Uh, you know, we just we got to do a better job. So yeah, what do I take from it? I felt like we were competitive with them all day physically, and that's the encouraging thing. Uh, there's not a huge huge gap. But they were the most talented team we played, but we can play with them if we play the kind of ball we're capable of. We just didn't, and it showed. And, and they they did the right things and, and got a win. We're talking about the moxie of, of Bonner. I like that he tries to make plays, 
And, you know, it didn't turn out on that one. Obviously, an ill-advised pass that got picked off in the corner on your side of the field. Uh, how do you deal with balance, taking opportunities, taking shots, but being smart? Yeah, that ball's got to be thrown away. And he's played enough snaps that he knows better. And I've coached him for the last five, basically six years, and, and he's been taught all along uh, when when we need to be risky and when we don't. And, and that, that situation is clearly a throw the ball away, kick the field goal. You know, that game should have been 10 to 9 at halftime. Without mm-hmm. us scoring a single touchdown, it should have been 10 to 9. We, we missed the field goal. We had one blocked that came out super low, and then we throw an interception on the one. If that game's 10 to 9 at halftime, I think we all go in saying, hey, we're right where we need to be. And just self inflicted mistakes uh, and, and an ill advised throw right there. That ball should have been in a 12 throw. He should have thrown it to somebody up in the stand. And he has done that most of his career. I think he was trying to do too much and it hurt us there. And he got a butt chewing when he got to the <laughs> sideline. And he was the first one to tell me that he was wrong. And he knew it immediately when the ball came out. So, Tompkins leading the nation receiving. A lot was made of that. Four catches, 60 yards. Pretty sure those were all in the first half. What did they do to to take him away? And is it something that you're going to face a lot more the rest of the season? Yeah, I thought they made some adjustments. And, and we expected some of that. We did move him around some. We, we also were f- perfectly fine pushing the ball to some other guys on the field. We, we're, not a, you know, we're not a one-man show. But as I said, I thought they made good adjustments. You could see where they – they bracketed and clouded some things and double covered some places that would force us to move the ball to other you know areas on the field, which is not a again not the end of our offense. We just didn't execute some of those things very well. Uh, we we went from from moving the ball fairly uh, you know fairly well early on, on especially on off schedule downs to to struggling in that area a good bit late. They made good adjustments. We didn't. I, I would expect we're going to continue to see people. You know, feature him, figure out a way to make sure they know where he's at. Uh, we're going to have to do a great job of spreading the ball around and utilizing all of our other weapons, and then it's something that we, we've, we've done a good job of, but we're going to have to do better. So what's your level of concern as far as the kicking game? Uh, about the sloppiest, you know, kicking game, you know, uh, execution we've had, it, it's always a concern, and, and it was Saturday, and we had uh, – you know, we had some mistakes there that you just can't have. We don't fill the ball on the one-yard line on a punt. It should have been. It should have hit the ground. We we busted a protection on the edge, and luckily we were, got away with it. And punter made a great play. And um, you know, we uh, you know the, the the punt fake was poorly executed, but honestly, should have got out of the play. The, the the look changed right before the snap. We loved the way they lined down, and then they they obviously saw something they didn't like and started to move. I should have called the timeout. We should have checked out of it. and We didn't. So execution. Uh, was frustrating, and, and it, it uh, could have been even worse. Could have been a blocked punt. Um, you know, so we're, we're giving we're, – again, we're getting effort there. We're covering the field well, but we, we've got to make better decisions. And, and honestly, on my part, I, I should have got us out of the, uh, out of the punt fake. It was, it was a calculated risk, but when the look changed late, should have burned a timeout and made sure that we weren't in a bad play. And we end up uh, in a bad play that that even got executed poorly and and really had no chance of success. So, so you got the Cougars at home Friday night. Obviously, you are new to the Cash Valley, but when I moved here, I had it explained to me 
The Utah State fans really loathe all the BYU fans in Cache Valley. Come out, wrecking their home field. Gives that rivalry some real extra juice. And there's all that, plus uh, BYU's 4-0 and looking pretty good. So what have you heard about BYU? What have you seen about BYU on TV? What do you think about this game coming up? Well, I'm excited about the game. Friday night game here at home. Uh, you know, we had a great crowd the other day, and as I understand it, this thing sold out, so it should be even better. Um, yeah, everybody's made really clear to me since day one that I got here that that, that I got to hate BYU. So I, I've gotten the message. I've gotten the message loud and clear. Uh, there is, uh, man. Hey, we're three and one. They're four and zero. I mean, other than us being undefeated, you couldn't ask for a whole lot more. And I don't think anybody, when you look at before the season started. I think we'd all be pretty pleased going into this game three and one. We we wanted to win them all, but we also knew that we had some really tough challenges ahead of us in year one, and you know, kind of the the, the foundation of this thing getting built. That we could have been in a lot worse shape going into this game. I, after playing Boise, even though we did not play well, but competing and and being being competitive physically in that game, I, I feel like. I mean, we clean up some things. We we can give these dudes everything they want on Friday night right here at home, and there is no reason why we can't win it. Now they are, they are the most talented team we have faced. Uh, I said the same thing about Boise. I I believe that now, having played them, they were the most physically talented team we played to this point. I think it just dials it up another notch. But we were competitive physically in the game. If we clean up the mistakes, we can play with these guys, and this is a game that we can win. We got to play great ball. We got to do everything right, but we can win this game on Friday night. And, man, wouldn't that be a great reason, uh, great way to uh, to keep the season going. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we're looking forward to that game Friday. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck with the media next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Justin Zanuck, Jazz GM, meeting with the media. He sat down right near the end of the Blake Anderson interview, talked all the way through the break. He's still going. We're going to let you uh, listen and join in progress right now. So that's kind of where I anticipate it being more of a training camp and two weeks here in the facility. How's it, Jared? The last time we talked to you, he was just kind of doing individual stuff. Yeah, no, great. Um, you know, and... I think I clarified it when we were talking about summer league. It was just more the timing of summer league rather and and where he was coming off and part of his uh, there were no issues fully healthy. It's just the timing of that contact, you know, wasn't we didn't think was good for his return to play. Uh, he's been here all month, uh, contact playing five on five. He's looked great and uh, ready to go. So he doesn't need like a season to adjust or slow down or anything. No, not at all. For several years, the basketball ops department that kind of headed by you and Dennis and David now with you and different people. Uh, what can you kind of tell us about, um, you know, the differences in terms of how things operate and, and in terms of the new guys who you're interacting with? Sure. Um, first of all, you know, we've operated at a high level here and I've had some great teachers and mentors in, in my life with great experience. Um, in the same vein, a lot of those people uh, have been doing the same thing with me for quite a while with Stephen Schwartz and Bart Taylor and Mark Keese and Andrew Mealy, and they were ready for more. And, you know, the promotions, the titles more reflect what they've already been doing. 
and that they were ready for this opportunity. So we're going to operate much the same way in terms of being connected to coach, connected with our players uh, in a servant type of role of really trying to provide the best roster for coach, the best uh, health performance for players, uh, acquiring the best players that we can and investigating any opportunity. And, you know, this is sort of a natural evolution of this um, with how we're set up, but we're going to be, you're going to be hearing a lot of the same things and a lot of the, you know, the same processes that we have, and then always looking to, to innovate and try to do things better as we've always done. All things considered, when you, when you look at the end of the season or when you look towards playoffs this coming season, uh, is there like a benchmark in your mind like that would be a failure or that would be a disappointment or this like obviously I think a lot of the perceptions you need to make it out of the second round. Yeah. I'd like to make it all the way. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I you know I can answer it. It's just more the first part that comes to my mind is again, 29 teams end up with a result that they were hoping would be not that one. So um, I think the commitment that all of us have made, you know, starting with Ryan and, you know, we're at, at salary levels that we, the Utah jazz have never been before. Um, we're grateful and thankful for that. And I think we've deployed that in the most efficient way possible and the best way possible. Um, we know that the type of talent that we have on this roster, the, the coaching acumen that we have and the group that uh, we've put together. And so, you know, as I said before, we embrace the expectations, you know, there, we have goals of those. I, I don't know if it's necessarily black and white where it's like, Oh, we did this so we can sit back and say, Hey, we made it out of this. Like the goal every year is to try to win it. And this group together, I think just like last year, we gave our ch ourselves chances to do that. And we're giving ourselves another chance to do that this year. And hopefully with the experience from last year and the year before that, you know, it becomes an evolution of, of finally being able to break through. Sorry. No, no. Just as a follow-up to that, I guess what encourages you, uh, what, what makes you believe that what this year gives you a better chance to go all the way than, than what you have last year? I think another year of experience, um, another year of continuity with a lot of our main players. You know, look, our off-season, you know, we, you know, some people would say we, we tried to improve around the fringes. Well, the reason you try to improve around the fringes is because the core is really, really good um, and have had a high level of success and production and in past results. So taking that and trying to add a little more versatility, um, a little more depth maybe that to get through the regular season as we get older and need to rest some certain guys just coming off the short off season. That's just going to be a natural byproduct of the way season was set up. So just trying to get through that and give ourselves another chance to keep this window open of this group that we have together. One of the things I've heard is that having Ryan and having Dwayne around uh, gives the team kind of a different energy and kind of the, off-season conversations you end up having and the team ends up having, how have you seen that kind of play out over the last few months of the off-season and, and what impact has it yeah, had? Ryan and his ownership group have been just absolutely great to work with. Um, their involvement is in, in support of like, hey, how can, we, how can we help? 
how can we help do whatever we can to help the jazz win a title? Um, whether that's from a financial standpoint, from branding standpoint, from, you know, mentorship and just being, being here, he loves being around the team. He's got Ryan, especially and Dwayne and Ryan Sweeney. They, they have a ton of stuff going on, but, um, they are not by no means absentee. They are, you know, involved and excited to be involved in great resources for me and coach uh, and our players for things that, um, we want to run by them and they're, they're obviously owners. So they own the entire team, but they're partners with us in terms of trying to help us in any way possible. So it's been great. With Milwaukee winning, I know it's been a few years since you were there. Did that feel like a process you remember kind of building to get to that point? And is that something you can carry over here? I mean, does it feel like, Hey, that was the plan all along. Look, you know, with Milwaukee credit to them, they, they, uh, they went out and won it. And certainly you know, if you look back in past history, it, it, it takes a while for teams to get together. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to go through awful disappointment for two or three years before you break, but it, there are some trends of that as teams are, you know, filling out their core and, and producing at a high level. And then, you know, each playoff series and, and year is completely different. And sometimes you have good health and good luck. And when the moment comes, you're able to produce. And other times it just doesn't, all those things have to come together and it doesn't happen. So Milwaukee's an example, you know, the bulls before they started their run was an example, Detroit before that uh, many, many different teams, as opposed to just even golden state had to go through a couple, couple years, Oklahoma city. Um, so what we're doing is, you know, we've got foundational players in their prime and a great, supporting cast around them that are in their prime. So, and that they've been together for a while that we didn't throw all these guys together in one year and say, Hey, here's all this talent. Go figure it out. I think continuity helps. And um, certainly you see that it can happen. We always knew it can happen. We just do everything we can to have it be us. Does it feel like there's a different feeling around the league because the Toronto's and Milwaukee's and Phoenix's are having success when there aren't huge profile names? Um, I don't know, Ben. I, I've always just kind of, this is, I'm about to start my ninth year in the league on this side. And uh, I've just felt that there's so many organizations that have gotten a lot smarter. Um, all the technology available, all the, the, the talent that is out there. Um, teams are doing a better job of just acquiring and, and team building. So what I think it is, is that from a competition competition level and the way our rules are set up that whatever market level or size or TV market that if you build a good team, it doesn't matter where it is. You can win without something saying, you know, excuses. Oh, I've got one arm tied behind my back because I'm in this market or anything else. I think there's many examples as you've just, listed of if you do things right that you can win a title and multiple ones time for one last more Anybody else have one? what's your best path what's your path to a title this year um win 16 games in the playoffs <laughs> what's the process Sorry, of winning those 16 what goes into the ingredients i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you a real quick golf story okay with your question that you asked so i was in this is like five years ago um, actually longer than that is before I joined the jazz Gene and I are 
on an island. We got to what is really before we even had kids and I'm playing golf and there's a, you have to have a caddy at this place and you know, they're supposed to help you read the greens. Right. And so normally they like, okay, this one breaks left or right. And I was like, where am I supposed to hit this? I'm like 15 feet from the, the hole. He goes over, takes a flag stick, points it in the hole. That's where you're supposed to put it. <laughs> so, so is it that I'll let simple? you ask, yes, ask the question again if you don't want to what, smart what, is, what are the ingredients and what goes behind your ability to win 16 games come playoff time? Health, talent, being connected. We have absolutely everything here to give us the best chance to win. Now those things have to come together. Again, some of them are in our control. Having a great coach and staff, having great players, players with high character that care about each other and like each other, are connected, familiar with each other. It comes down to health. If we're healthy, we're good. We're really good. And we will leave it right there. Jazz general manager, Justin Zanuck, if they're healthy, they're good. Real good. I agree. Quotes to live by. All right, it's a couple minutes after 10 o'clock. We're going to take a break. Hans and Scotty will come back. More Jazz Media Day. Stay with us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.